0: Hey, if you're here, you're in the right place. I'm Tyler Freeland, and welcome to season two of the Brand X Cleveland podcast, a forum where expert voices come together, united for one purpose, to answer questions and have conversations centered around real business problems. You can find this episode as well as previous episodes at BrandXCleveland.com. That's BrandXCleveland.com. On this episode of the Brand X Cleveland podcast, myself and special guest Charlene Coughlin sit down with Joe Polizzi, former founder of Content Marketing Institute, founder of The Tilt, co-founder of the Orange Effect Foundation, author of several books, father, husband, and the very face of the content marketing world. During this fun and educational episode, Joe breaks down the very definition of content marketing, throws away its misconceptions, and provides outstanding advice on how to use it correctly. Here's Joe Polizzi on the brand seat.
1: My name is Joe Polizzi. My roles are many, I guess, uh, co-founder of the Orange Effect Foundation, which is our 501c3 uh, for speech therapy for children who can't afford speech therapy. And I am the founder, former, former founder, founder emeritus of Content Marketing Institute, no longer with the organization, but still friends with everyone. And then just started a new organization called The Tilt for content creators that want to be content entrepreneurs. I've written seven books and the one word would be, well, probably father and then husband would be the two. And then father, husband, entrepreneur. I think that's a good triple play there.
0: I like it. I like it. And let's just get right into it. What is content marketing?
1: Well, that's the age-old question. Uh, so content marketing is when you're, when you're marketing, instead of interrupting people through an advertisement that they may not want to see, like you would see at a magazine or on television, that you create content that is so wonderful, so relevant, so impactful, changes the lives of that audience that they actually want to subscribe to it. And they want to follow you on a consistent basis. And then if you do that really well, you can accomplish some marketing goals. So if you build that audience, that audience becomes loyal to you over time, you can sell them all manner of things. You could sell them things like a media company does, or you sell mm-hmm. them sponsorship. you know you could uh, monetize it through sponsorship, but advertising, you could do events, you could do an affiliate program, but most people, when they think about content marketing, they do it for marketing goals such as, hey, if I have this audience, I can sell them products. If I have mm-hmm. this audience, I can sell more consulting services. If I have this audience that they become a better customer in some way, maybe they buy more than normal, uh, mm-hmm. which is a really great way. If you think about loyalty initiatives where Sam's Club or Walmart has a magazine or we get, and I get Mazda's magazine, they send me that magazine because they believe that I'll buy another Mazda. Yeah, uh, or the furrow magazine from John Deere. The other way they send that out mm-hmm. to farmers so that they you know go ahead and buy another John yeah. Deere piece of equipment. So yeah, old old industry been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, mm-hmm. but probably in the last ten years more uh, companies around the world are hiring for content marketer positions and actually doing content marketing. Since today you don't have to go through other channels, you can actually mm-hmm. go direct to the audience and create that if you do it the right way consistently and deliver value over a long period of time.
0: Are there any misconceptions out there on
1: what content marketing is? Oh my goodness. All, <laughs> all kinds of it. I mean, if you look at what most organizations are doing, they call it content marketing campaigns
0: mm-hmm. and
1: content marketing campaigns don't really exist. Because if you're doing content marketing, you're committed to delivering valuable information to an audience over a long period of time. But what big, mostly consumer, but there's B2B companies as well, where they'll say, oh, I'm doing a content campaign, where they'll do a webinar series for nine months, or they'll do a YouTube thing for the next three months or six months. Mm-hmm. And those are all, that, that all happens with thinking like an advertiser. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way there's nothing wrong with advertising. I don't have any problem with advertising. There's a lot of good that can happen from advertising. Mm-hmm. But when you're thinking about content marketing, you're making a promise to your customers that you're going to deliver information that's going to help them live better lives or get better jobs over a long mm-hmm. period of time. So that's why it doesn't stop. So that's the biggest issue thinking that it's a you know kind of people think content marketing is you know one thing. The other mm-hmm. misconception is people think you have to create content wherever your customers are online. And that is Mm. a huge misconception. And that's where a lot of businesses go wrong. Small businesses or large businesses say, oh, I got to be on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and TikTok. And I got to do webinars and virtual events and podcasts and email. And really what happens is, is that they diversify immediately and they become jack of all trades, master of none, and it does no impact and to be better Mm -hmm. off if you didn't do any content marketing at all. So what we recommend is killing a lot of the things you're doing and focusing on being great at one or two things. Mm
2: -hmm. Maybe
1: that's a great email newsletter or the best podcast in your industry Mm -hmm. and delivering that piece of value over time and building that audience. And then once you build what we call a minimum viable audience, then you can go ahead and uh, and diversify and create all those other shiny things. But the diversification too quick is mm-hmm. a very, very common thing that you'll see.
2: I feel like I uh, heard that speech at a content marketing world keynote, maybe three years ago.
1: May, maybe, that's, maybe, yes, yeah. it is that's still, it's still probably the biggest problem. I mean, there's, you know, there's the biggest problems with content marketing. One is most companies that do content marketing don't have any real differentiation. We call that the content tilt. You have to have to be different in some way to break through all that clutter. The Mm -hmm. second big issue is lack of consistency. If you commit to doing content marketing, let's say you do an email newsletter, you have to Mm -hmm. send that email out at the same time, same day, same week, Mm -hmm. every time for a long, long period of time because it generally takes between nine and 18 months to really start building that audience. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see most, especially large enterprises give up before the nine month level and they'll, you'll never know. So uh-huh. those, are, those are the two big issues. And then you get into the, oh, let's just be everywhere. There's one email provider, this is I don't know, a year ago, that they launched 15 uh, show documentaries, mini shows, Uh, little mini movies, films, Mm -hmm. all at the same time. And I looked at that, I'm like, well, that's not going to work because it never works and it never has worked. You can't focus on three or four different audiences with 15 different content initiatives at the same time. Recipe for Mm -hmm. failure. Just do one, do one really well. Do one consistently, see how that goes. You want to watch another one after nine months. Good for you, you can do that, but start with a simple approach.
0: And I like how you talk, you start out talking about John Deere at the beginning of this book as like over a hundred years ago, content marketing existed. So why you said in the last 10 years, this ball
1: really started to you know move forward? Well, before, before 1990, there were only eight ways that a business could communicate with customers. And you could do that through TV, through newspaper, through fax.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring up the old fax. And then generally through through email, uh, through billboard. I mean, if you think about all the traditional ways, there were only eight of them. That was it, radio. Uh, and then we had this thing called technology that continued to speed up. And what happened is, is all those barriers to reach uh, customers were gone, so the media companies and the big corporations didn't, weren't the gatekeepers anymore. We could actually go direct because we had this technology, and then the and then at the same time, so yeah, basically this technology has happened. Then consumers are completely in control. They don't just have to say, "Oh, I only have twenty television stations to watch." They could literally do anything they want. So the consumer has all the power that shifted from media companies to the consumer. And then the content creation tools themselves where I can just have my phone today. This is what I love as an entrepreneur. If I'm starting a business today and I want to start it as a content creator with the hopes of being a content entrepreneur, I only need a phone. I don't need a desktop laptop. I don't need any major equipment. I literally can just use a phone to do my entire business, my content creation, my distribution, my email, my accounting, all my finances, billing—I mean, it's crazy. It's so so crazy. that's where we are today, and so that's why you know there's such a huge opportunity in content marketing. But you, st- mm-hmm. the biggest issue is, is that we're still we're still thinking like it's 1990 in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not thinking about. Oh, we we have this huge opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. let's just build some relationships with, you know, and, and think about how do how do I how do I make positive change onto mm-hmm. one audience? And how do I do that consistently over time? Mm-hmm. It's just basic one-on-one communication. So a lot of times that technology gets in the way because just because you can doesn't mean you should. So you go back to that furrow example. Mm-hmm. All they were trying to do was help those farmers be better farmers, to give them advice on how they can hire better and how they can take care of their land more so they can get more out of it. That same type of thing could be a, a podcast today, could be an email newsletter today. By the way, the furrow is still going strong from 1895. Yeah. Still going strong today from John Deere. Um, so yeah, it's the the whole idea of it hasn't changed, just the way that we do it. And the fact is, now you've got basically every company in the world thinking that they can do this and create content, when most of them aren't committed enough to doing it, and think probably more about what they want to sell and not enough about what the audience needs to hear.
0: Yeah, because it all—it sounded like when the Perot started that it was—it came from the heart. It wasn't about, you know, getting more customers or anything like that. It was literally trying to help
1: their customers solve a problem. And they, Yeah. And they thought cool. over time, if we do this, we could get yeah. better customers. What I love about it. I, we, we interviewed the John Deere team this is years ago, six, seven years ago. And I remember the chief editor said, there's probably been less than 15 articles in the hundred year span of John Deere that we actually pitched John Deere products and services. Just think wow. about that. That's so of, of the thousands and thousands of articles they had over a hundred years they rarely actually talked about John Deere products and services. That's, t- that's audience focused. Mm-hmm. That's why the thing has lasted 100 years
0: because mm-hmm.
1: they really were focused on the needs of the audience first. If you focus on the needs of the audience first and foremost, you'll be able to sell whatever you want. That's where a lot of businesses, if you look at a lot of content marketing mission statements from businesses, it'll say, oh, we want to target XYZ audience so we can sell more widgets. Well, you've already made a mistake. It shouldn't be in your mission statement. Your mission statement should be all about the needs and pain points and desires of your audience. Mm -hmm. And if you do that well, then they will give you the permission to sell sell to them. And they will probably gladly support you and give you money. But a lot Mm -hmm. of people like to skip that step and sell right away. So who's doing content marketing right nowadays that you can
0: maybe spit off the top of your head yeah
1: i mean my favorite b2b example is aero electronics and aero electronics is a large electronics distributor fortune 119 company and they actually started organically creating some sites media sites targeted to um, b2b electronics engineers Mm -hmm. and they weren't moving fast enough because it does take a lot of patience and they're like okay how, how do we become the leading expert in the world at you know b2b electronics for this group of people so they actually went out and bought over 50 different media sites so now they reach over 3 million uh b2b electronics engineers and are the largest media company in that industry and it's not a media company you know they they sell electronics equipment they're a distribution company so that i love absolutely love uh, that example so that's one i mean and then there's Silly ones that you would never think of. Like, I love Indium's blog uh, from one engineer to another. It mm-hmm. uh, It's, you know, 27 engineers that blog about industrial soldering equipment. I mean, mm-hmm. these are things that, you know, it, you, you wouldn't even know about unless somebody started to talk about and and move forward. And of course, you know, you've got your, your Red Bull Media House of the world, which yeah, for sure. I like to use only for the fact that I want people to think of the question is red bull media house more valuable than red bull itself and i and i that's a question you can and that's that's what's happened mm-hmm. with content marketing today if you go to red bull you know they've got their entertainment licensing division mm-hmm. they've got all their videos they've got their content syndication this is a whole huge media company inside mm-hmm. red bull and it is really valuable mm-hmm. uh, and and i i've to think okay what is red bull is red bull a media company that just happens to sell energy drinks Those are the things where we have to rethink what a media company is right now and what a company that does content marketing is because honestly, the business models are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It's it's no different. I, I uh, I can be a HubSpot that does great content marketing as well and I can actually sell media products. I can be a New York Times and I can actually sell products and services. By the way, both companies are doing that. So what differentiates a media company What differentiates the New York Times and a HubSpot from a business model? I know the type of content is different, but from a business model standpoint, nothing. It's exactly the same. A lot of people don't realize that.
0: That's one question I was going to ask you too. As these brands become more like publishers, um, do you think content marketing is pushing them, not just publishers, but politicians as well within their content where we're they're choosing sides, and and putting that in their content and making it. This is where I stand, and doing it with action.
1: Well, the, there's a couple of questions in there to unpack, or answers to unpack. I guess the <laughs> the first thing is is that every company is a publisher. It mm-hmm. just depends on whether they decide to believe that they are one. Your every company, for the most part, is publishing some kind of content. They have an email mm-hmm. newsletter. They have webinars. They do events. They, mm-hmm. I don't care who you are in what industry, you are a publisher. It's just that most publishers are terrible, so they, so that's where, <laughs> that's where you're at today. If you're talking about politics, politics is all about media, content creation, and audience building today. That that is, I mean, if you, um, what's the? I forgot the what's the Lincoln the Lincoln Group that started um the republican lincoln offshoot. project lincoln project you know so there's been some good and bad things about the lincoln project but the lincoln project just you know, a little offshoot media enterprise that's all they do is create media build an audience and try to persuade
0: mm-hmm.
1: isn't that what we're all doing is that all that's all we're doing today it was, it was we're trying to build an audience and persuade them about something either if you're if you're the new york times you're trying to to Communicate something a little different than a HubSpot is who ultimately wants them to buy their marketing automation solution, but it's all the same. So I think that right now, doesn't matter what you are. This is an audience land rush, I mm-hmm. guess is what you'd call it. We are all trying to build audiences. So instead of the gold rush today, what's a value? Instead of real estate, what's a value? It's, it's to build a loyal audience. That's all we're trying to do today. Awesome. So the more that we can build those loyal audiences, the more successful our companies are going to be. So look at the most successful, most valuable companies today. You're looking at the ones that have an audience, Facebook, Netflix, Disney. I mean, these are Google. Mm-hmm. These are the ones that actually have an audience and have data directly mm-hmm. tied to their audience. That's you're good. that's, we're going to see the majority, 90% of the the most innovative, the largest companies are going to be the ones with the most valuable audiences. Mm-hmm. It's already that way. It's just going to be more so.
0: As always, in each episode, we like to take the time to highlight one of our BrandX partners. This episode goes out to CMT Consulting. CMT is a media planning and buying firm that develops comprehensive integrated media campaigns for a variety of different industries. CMT has extensive experience in running campaigns that leverage digital, TV, radio, print, and outdoor media, reaching audiences across the country. Their motto? Be a good coworker, be a good partner, be a good advisor to the clients we serve. Hey, that's simple enough. To learn more about CMT Consulting, visit cmtconsultingltd.com. That's cmtconsultingltd.com. I want to get a little bit off topic, too, and talk about the Orange Effect Foundation. If you could just talk about what it is and how people can support it. Um, Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yes, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. Orange Effect Foundation, uh, my wife and I started the organization in 2014, although we were doing charity work for children with autism uh, back in 2007. And, you know, we do a golf outing here or there. And then, you know, going through the process for our son who was on the autism spectrum and couldn't say any words until he was after three, you know, we had to get aggressive speech and play therapy for him. Mm -hmm. It worked incredibly well. He didn't need, once he got to eight years old, he didn't need a tutor in class anymore. He's going to regular college now. I mean, it's it's just an amazing story. And what we learned along that way, was that there are a lot of people that need the same kind of services that we did that can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky, we could afford it. We paid for the speech and play therapy. We put up the program. He had speech therapy for you know seven years. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a lot of money. And when you've got a family that's trying to decide between should I pay for speech therapy, which insurance in a lot of cases doesn't cover, or do I put food right. on the table, they're gonna put food on the table as well they should. So mm-hmm. they have, they're in for survival. So we have kids all over right now, I think it's 230 kids in 35 states that we provide grants to that couldn't afford, you know, consistent speech therapy and Orange Effect Foundation is a fundraising organization to get them, you know, the funds and we pay directly to the provider so they can get the speech therapy they need. So we're at the orangeeffect.org and we take all kinds of um, support. Right now we've got our big hundred holes event that's going on where we've got uh, you know, 28 crazy golf players that are going to golf a hundred holes in, in a day. And we are fundraising for that so that we can, you know, deliver more speech therapy services. And so that's all we, we're all fundraising. We've got a great board and we look at the applicants and we do research on them and we make sure that, that, that the awesome. the money that we raise goes to the families that need it. In terms of pivoting during the
0: pandemic, um, by the way, Corona marketing, the mini book was awesome and very oh, helpful. Thank you. Loved it. Um, and so quick, I mean, <laughs> perfect timing. I mean, I don't know how long it took you to write that, but it was right when, um, I know we needed it and we were developing, uh, the
1: pivot workbook. So I think that really helped out a lot. I'm glad it was, I'm glad it was helpful. Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I took a lot of material I already had. I added a few new ones and said, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as a lot of people did, I started to rethink how I could be more helpful during the pandemic. And as a lot of my friends and who are many are marketers were struggling with, what do I do now? I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, here's, here's 13 recommendations that I would make about how marketers can deal with the pandemic. And, you know I just decided to give it away for free and I'm glad it it worked yeah. out we had about 10,000 downloads so you know awesome. hopefully the, hopefully it was it was used well
0: did you see yeah with that question is did you see a rise in content marketing during the pandemic
1: or a decline or is it it's pretty stable uh well everything stopped in March because mm-hmm. people paused um, mm-hmm. you know hindsight 2020 you're like okay what <laughs> Then all the gates just busted loose and now you've got more content creation going on. And by the way, it's not just content marketing. It's all content creation, individuals, enterprises. I've never seen so much of it. If -hmm. you look at wall street journal too, came out with some data recently about the growth in business creation and entrepreneurship and how many of those businesses are content based businesses. And I think Mm -hmm. that will continue. So you if you're asking me, I want to get this research. I can't find it. But if I was a betting person, which I absolutely am, I would I would put money that the highest growth area of new businesses around the world over the next five years will be content-based businesses, YouTubers, podcasters, bloggers, TikTokers, mm-hmm. Snapchat, Twitch, Discord, everything. Mm-hmm. So that means that you not only have enterprises, which by the way, most businesses today are flush with cash. Some aren't. Mm -hmm. We know those industries that have been hurt and are really struggling. But most businesses in most industries are absolutely flush with cash right now, the ones I'm talking to. They have a lot of money that they're experimenting with content creation. And like we talked Mm -hmm. about doing it wrong, but there's a lot of money going into content creation. Mm -hmm. And then you have a lot of individuals who want to start businesses. And some of those individuals are ones that were told to stay home during the pandemic and said, well, you know, I could stay home I like staying home now. I don't want to go in. I want to I want to have financial freedom. I don't want to work at a business. So you're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs come into that area as well. I've never seen anything like it. That's I don't know I've where it's it. going to go, but I can't see it going down. If this was a stock, I would I would invest heavily in it right now to think awesome. that to think that there is just going to be a lot going on. And that's, and that's why it's imperative. If you're a business today, you do it correctly. Cause you could really, Mm -hmm. there's a a lot of, uh, a lot of content clutter out there. So how do you break through that? And um, Mm -hmm. it's, there is a process that you have to follow.
0: And if I'm a small business and I'm looking at content marketing as it's intimidating Maybe I don't have the technology, or I think I don't have the technology. Where is the mom and pop shop? Where do I begin?
1: Start with reading
0: epic content marketing. Yeah. Well,
1: don't read. First of all, don't read epic content marketing, because that thing is eight years old now. So what you want to read is content ink.
0: The in second content,
1: edition, second edition, <laughs> and that the, the content, the content ink is follows the model and it's great for yeah. a mom and pop business, but you always start with anything you do in business. You always start mm-hmm. with what's the problem and can I fix it with something? Is there a solution? So that let's say that you are a, you know, a restaurant mm-hmm. and you you're really focusing on healthier recipes or gluten-free or whatever the case is. Well, maybe you would want to build a little mini newsletter about gluten-free recipes and you'd send them to your best customers or you could have it Mm -hmm. at the restaurant or put it in on the takeout orders or something. That's something very simple because Mm -hmm. what you're trying to do is you're trying to get them to understand. First of all, this is something you're passionate about. You're giving them, you know, at home recipes that they can start using, but you are you become their leading expert when it comes to you know gluten free or whatever whatever that might be, um, you know right you know we're 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 just starting our we're a little mom and pop business starting up a little organization called the Tilt, and it's focused on content creators that want to be entrepreneurs. The problem we saw was there are a lot of people creating content as we talked about, but not a lot of people that understand how to build a business off of that. So that's our, our problem we're trying to solve. How are we doing that? We thought the best way to go about it was through a two-time-a-week email. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could, you could solve that through a podcast. You could solve it through a webinar series. So I would say, who's ever listening to this, focus on who's the audience you really want to target. It could be mm-hmm. a sub-audience of your customer base, by the way. So who is that yeah. audience? What is their pain point? What keeps them up at night? What's, what's the thing that is actually solvable through information? Mm-hmm. And then you could figure out what's the best way to communicate that information and that you could get a lot goes into it. I like email because of the fact that that's a channel I can control. I don't have control over a Facebook or a YouTube, but you might decide if you're a gamer that YouTube is the place for you because your audience is already there. And then you'd have mm-hmm. to work back and get more control of assets down the road. And that's another conversation, but how do you like to tell your story? Do you have some talent in your organization for, on air talent, or do you have a really good writer in the organization? So you look at the assets you have, the skills that you have, you match that up with the audience's desire and you say, oh, and then commit to something. I'm going to do a podcast. The podcast is going to be weekly. It's going to target this audience. This is Uh the pain point we're trying to solve. And then from that, you build out your content mission, your editorial calendar, and your whole goal for the first nine months is only to build audience. Mm-hmm. You don't have any other goal. You don't have any goal, but you want to sell more stuff. You want to see more people in your restaurant. All you want to do is get people to engage in that content, try to build an audience. And then once you build a minimum viable audience, then you can start selling them stuff. Awesome.
0: And what is the second edition comes out in a couple months, right? May 25th.
1: Yeah. Ready for pre the- order. Anytime. It's good to go. I've got, I've, you can't, I mean, this is a podcast. I see but- it. The draft copy is right behind me. It's ready to go. What's <laughs> feeling What good brought you it. to write that second edition? What's Can you share what's inside a little bit? So the so I took 2018. It was a sabbatical year for me. So I took that year off. And in 2019, I decided I'm going to write a novel. I wrote a novel. It's a mystery thriller called A Will to Die. And oh, thank you very much. You got it. In it's very hands.
0: good, by the way.
1: Thank you. Um, just to
0: the point where Will and Roger or Roger's giving
1: oh, th- a seat in Will's mind
0: awesome. a little bit. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying And it. the things are turning in Will's mind like eh, this little oh, something's up around that, here.
1: That is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so yeah, bad. it's really good. So so I wrote that and I was totally. So this is in March, early March 2020. I just had my book launch party. I literally have just started on writing the next part two of that story you're talking about. Oh, cool. And then the pandemic hit and everything stopped. And then I so a couple of weeks later, when people were sent home and we're all trying to figure out a lot of confusion, I started to get emails from friends of mine. And they were saying, look, I, I got your old book, Content Inc. I'm going to launch my own business. What should I do? Started asking me a lot of the questions that you're asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what about diversification? What's the best... Uh, you know, how do I monetize once I build an audience, all these things. And I said, well, this is what I thought to myself. I'm like, you know, I can do a lot of different things. How can I do more than just be a novelist? Can I affect more people in a positive way? Mm -hmm. And I thought I could. So that's when I did went and talked to McGraw Hill education, who did the first version of content Inc. I said, I think, I, I think there's time to do another version of content Inc. My podcast, contenting podcast uh, episodes or the listens, were going up, and I stopped producing it entirely for a year. So I'm like, okay, something's here, something's going on. So I recommitted everything to this idea called the Content Entrepreneur. Wrote the new book, uh, the new you know, did all the case studies, mm-hmm. launched the new business called the Tilt. We've got Content Entrepreneur research in the field right now that we're working on. So totally dedicated everything to where I felt I could do the most good. And that's
2: around this whole
1: business of content creation thing.
0: Awesome. Charlene, do you have any questions for Joe?
2: Oh, I do. Oh, Jesus. Hold, please. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Let's see. Let's see what we came up with. Oh, why orange?
1: Why orange?
2: Yeah, I've been to a few Marketing. Yes, girls. I know. This I've is, seen the whole suit.
1: So yes, I have an, as as probably as many orange clothes as, as anyone out there. When we launched the initial company, it was called Junta Forty Two. This is back in two thousand seven. It was a content marketing matchmaking company. The colors were orange and gray. And I had never launched my first business. I never launched a business, and I'm like, well, what do I do? And I think I said, I think you get, uh, you know, you brand yourself and wear the the color of your company so I started to get orange shirts so when I was doing uh, I did a photo shoot for some things and when I was doing any interviews online I was always wearing an orange shirt no logo or anything just orange well fast forward to 2009 so February 2009 I got asked to do my first international speaking gig in Brussels Belgium So they asked me to come over and they said, the only issue is, is that you have to wear a black tux. And I said, I'll wear whatever you want. You're paying me to come over and talk about content marketing. I've never done this before. It was my highest paying uh, speaking gig up to that point. I'm like, I'm going, I'll wear whatever. So I wear the black tux. I go up on stage. I do my thing. I come down off stage, never met any of these people before. Had three people, I kid you not, come up to me, ask me, why I was not wearing orange. And I was like, what, what does that? And then I realized, you know, you have to go back. I'm like, oh, they've only seen me wear this orange shirt. And I said, from that moment on, I went off the deep end into orange. I said, this is a business opportunity. People recognize me through the color orange. I'm going all in. So of course, from there, I got the orange suit. You got the orange table of snacks at every content marketing world. Every business that I've launched, you know, four businesses now, every one of them have has had some form of orange in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's it. It actually Love does it. work. People send me, I have everything around my office here that that's orange. People sent to me. Love they it. send me orange I only have, tchotchkes.
2: I only have one orange thing. And it's because I think our common friend Mo asked me to wear orange to a content marketing world event when I blogged. For you guys a few years
1: ago. That's it, right? That's You're in. the
2: one thing I have. You
1: can't, you can't now, get away from it.
2: <laughs> yeah. We'll see about that, Joe. Oh, geez. That was the big question I had. Oh, that was it? Yeah. The other okay. ones weren't that good that she sent. Don't tell her I said that, Joe.
1: Oh, I'm not going to tell her anything. I would never say anything bad to her.
2: Mm-mm.
1: Not one thing. Nope. Well, I just have one more question. Um,
0: I did want to talk a little bit about the will to die a little bit because, um, sure. and I mean, and I, I've only read the epic content marketing, um, but you mentioned in there about brands writing a book and probably something to do with uh, positioning themselves in their niche and their field and things of that nature. But you obviously don't mention writing a novel. So I was wondering about brands going that more creative route with publishing a, a novel that where you can learn just as much from the fiction as well as the nonfiction. Sure.
1: I think it's abs- I haven't seen a lot of people do it well, but it's absolutely possible. I think you're going to see more of it. I mean, could you see a, I don't know why I thought about this, but let's just say a Patagonia mm-hmm. who, you know, really into sustainability. Could mm-hmm. you see them launch a series of fictional stories yeah. with sustainability as sort of the key issue in the background? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Uh, could you see, you know, Starbucks creating a sitcom not not about Starbucks, but you know, friends that get together in a coffee shop? Yeah, sure. You absolutely could. Um, yeah. I don't know why you you don't see more about more of this. You absolutely will, uh, and I think that's an opportunity because when everyone else is doing you know, more nonfiction stuff, more education, which I love. I love the right. whole educational side. Could you get into the fictional side of it? Mm-hmm. You, you absolutely could. Uh, it's, uh, it's not easy, just like mm-hmm. no, any content marketing, but it's, it's an opportunity, especially mm-hmm. for consumer companies to go on the, the storytelling route, you know, mm-hmm. Chipotle, you see a huge opportunity. I mean, they do poems, they've done poems and poetry and storytelling on the outside of their bags. They're mm-hmm. already doing a little bit of it. Yeah um they're just t- looking at creativity they're they're targeting people that love creativity and love uniqueness so mm-hmm. there's something there so if you figure out what you really have to offer and what could bring you closer to an audience there's there's a great opportunity for long form storytelling there that's awesome
2: i thought of another question go ahead because i know you joe and i know how important community is to you can you talk a little bit about how community has helped you throughout Your business career and what the value has been i mean even and how you bring small groups of individuals together i think that was one of my last pre-pandemic meetings was our small little group that got
1: yeah we created a little group um the the community of northeast ohio is very important to me and this is back in 2008 i know you know i'm a big goal setter and i write down my goals and i've got different goals and I review them on a regular basis and one of my goals is always be what you know what more can I do for northeast ohio and cleveland I always feel like whatever business you create you you should be looking at having a local impact on on the community it's not that much more difficult but you have to bake in as part of the overall strategy to do that that was one of the reasons why I said, okay, it wasn't just do a content marketing event. It was do a content marketing event in Cleveland, Ohio, Mm -hmm. because we really, if we were going to do it, we should have had that content marketing event in New York, Chicago, or Vegas. And I said, no, we're going to get people to come to Cleveland. And the first year we were able to get 600 people from 20 countries to come to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And now content marketing world is the largest business event annually in person in Cleveland, Ohio, which I'm glad to say this year it's back going to be back in person as a hybrid event. So those things are very important. You talked about the small group. Um, It's important to, there's so much talent in this community, just like I'm sure there's so much talent in every community, but sometimes people need a little bit of help and support. So those are the things that I'm conscious of. The little meetings, the little notes to people, the coffee, one-on-ones, when somebody just says, can I have five minutes with you? And they're from the area, I probably will take it. Um, and just to, to, to give them a little bit of time. Uh, I've seen so much brain drain in this community. I, re- I really feel like we've turned a corner. It was kind of inopportune timing with what happened with the pandemic, but we've still turned a corner for the past five years. And I think Cleveland is one of those up and coming shining cities. And it needs everyone's help to get there. We're not necessarily going to get it from political action committees and governmental bodies. It's going to come from individuals who care about the, or the city and businesses that care about the city that's, that's going to make it happen. so we all need to do our part.
0: That was a great question, Charlene. Cause it led me to my, uh, inside the actor's studio kind of ending question that I like right. to ask, <laughs> um, when it's all said and done and, uh, you know, you finish your last project or what have you, how do you want to be remembered?
1: Well, the most important thing is, I've already sort of mentioned this, is to, to be the father my kids need and to be the husband my wife needs and to be the friend that my friends count on. That's the, the most important thing. If you think about, if I think about my life, I think about the people that close that surround me most closely um so that's that's the the number one thing if if it's beyond that i do appreciate when somebody sends me a note and they'll say i just got one the other day that said i just got this huge promotion i'm now running content marketing at xyz enterprise mm-hmm. and i never would have got there without you now i don't necessarily believe that's 100 true but i like the fact that I'm having some kind of positive impact on this area of marketing that when I started 20 years ago, that area of marketing was generally found by the boiler room in an organization. It's called custom Mm -hmm. publishing. They were working on custom magazines and newsletters and they were very much unloved in an organization. And now as we look at content marketing being one of the fastest growing areas of marketing, and you get people in there that not only are doing marketing, but are have the ability to truly be creative and have some fun with that position. That's exciting. And then also to see people that actually can say, look, I want to be financially free and independent. And they can do some of the things we talked about on this podcast to, to get there. So if I can help one person here and there, you know, we'll make the difference because that one person then will help another person. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in the whole pay it forward thing. So just, just keep, just keep doing that. And that's, you know, that's why I'm not writing, you know, and I'd love to write a, the will to die part two, but right now, uh, I don't think God put me on the earth to write another novel, maybe someday, but now it's, it's to, it's to help these people that, that are trying to make an impact and, and, and make sure that they put food on the table for their families and Mm -hmm. survive this crazy time we're in right now. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for your time. No, thank you. I, I mean, what I had to talk about myself for 40 minutes. That's really tough.